What's up, Epic Life? It's good to see you guys. Can I just thank you guys? I love you guys a ton. I'm, uh, I'm so honored that I get to be here with you guys and live relationships with you guys and um, be in community with you. It's so awesome that you guys somehow listen to me whenever I teach. I love it. It makes me feel good. Um, and I love it just um, people send me kind remarks whenever they hear like a silly thing I've said in the past. Someone's like hit me up for t-shirts like, hey, I heard you were giving away free t-shirts last time. Can I have some? Sure. Come get it. Um, but I just, I just appreciate you guys so much. And I'm kind of shifting a little emphasis um, over my next couple talks about the things that are the most radical transformations of my life and my growth. And you guys, so many of you in this room have played such a vital part in that. And the first topic I want to share tonight um, is just the power of relationships and the power of transformational relationships and how key that who we live life with is just so vital to who we become. And I don't know if you know about me, but like um, I'll use the word like suck less. Like I, I'm, I'm not that inspiring because I'm like, we don't need to be the best. We just need to suck less. You know, like I'm sometimes I'm, I, I learn through other mistakes and I learn through other people's challenges and blunders. And uh, I just, so there's something about me, it's like inverse learning or something that I just, I, I like learning by other people's mistakes. And there's a poster that I, I, I love, and I think we'll show it up on here. And it's this ship that's, you know, totally sunk, and it says, mistakes. It could be that the purpose of your life is to only serve as a warning to others. <laughs> and it makes fun of all these, like, motivational posters. It was either this one or, like, this other one's like this rose. It says, like... You were meant for me, maybe as punishment, you know? <laughs> but I, I like that. I kind of like that thing. It's like, I, I love learning by what do I need to avoid? And so as I talk about relationships, like, I was torn on this because the relationships are so vital to my heart that, that the one thing I kept on coming to is, like, I just want to make people aware of the, of the, the things that are going to kill your growth in relationships, Sometimes it's easier to spot what's unhealthy than to focus on all the things I have to do. And especially in relationships, if you can avoid some of these pitfalls, they're going to kill your growth of who you want to be and who you are in the kingdom. You'll have amazing relationships. So I want to share those with you tonight. And I have five of them for you. So five signs that are killing your growth. The first one is this, is that no one is speaking into your life. When you think about your life and who you are becoming? Is there somebody, is there a voice that's in your life that's saying, here is who you are, here's what you can be, here's where you're going. But more importantly, watch out where you're going. Have you thought about this? Let me show you something that I've been seeing in you. It's so vital that we have relationships in our life that speak into our life. Yes, it's a rah, rah, you can do it, I get that, but it's also like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need that part. We live in such a, a culture that's, that's glorifying likes. I mean, we post everything and we're like trolling for likes. Like, oh, how many comments on Instagram? Oh, I got retweeted. I got, I got retweeted a, a couple weeks ago by the, like this really famous guy. And I was like, I can't believe it. You know, like, like, really? Come on. I was telling my wife and she's like, and that's cool. Why? You know? But we do all these things because we want this affirmation. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Affirm me. Affirm me. Affirm me. And we have every system and software in the world that affirms us, but we actually need a voice that says, hey man, this is going to be really tough to tell you, but you need to hear it from me. When I got married, I got married at 22. I went from dorm room to husbandry. 
I was like in like three months. Like I graduated and like I'm sort of engaged. I was like engaged my senior year. And so I moved up here, chased my wife, begged her to marry me. She finally relented and she was at UC Davis grad school. So I went from dorm room to husband to entrepreneur all in two months. It's pretty crazy. And I'll be honest, we had a really challenging two years. Really challenging time of like integrating, like just learning who I was. I was like, I was just a baby then. I mean, all you guys are older than probably that, I think by now. But I was just like, I didn't know what I was doing. But I'm, here I'm married. I'm like doing a startup. I'm like having to provide for our family. I'm like trying to figure out what does it mean to be a spiritual leader? What does it mean to take care of a home? What does it mean to die for your wife? Holy cow. And we struggled. It was the most trying times in my life. And it occurred to me, this one thought, I'm really bad at managing my own growth. I'm really bad at assessing how I'm doing because right now I'm sucking. This is really bad. And it just came with all, without any warning, I just found myself in total crisis. And when I found myself in crisis, I realized what is absent from my life. What was absent from my life is all the decisions I made up to that point where someone could have said, hey man, you're in the wrong path. Hey man, when you do this, hey, this attitude, hey, what you're doing here, you gotta think about that. So I spent two years in wandering, and I finally connected, you guys probably know this guy, Chad Everett, and I'm like, I'm in shambles, you know, like, how, what does it mean to be a spiritual leader? And we had lunch every single Wednesday, or actually, I'm sorry, we had like dinner every single, I think Tuesday at Round Table Pizza. I never went to Round Table before, but now I have this love for it. And we'd like sit there and we just would like talk. And I'd bring all these challenges. And suddenly something started to kind of turn around. And I, I began to walk what it really means to be a spiritual leader in our home and to know what it means to die for my wife and all those different things, which is a different message altogether. And on the opposite side of that, I, I realized something that no one was speaking into my life because no one could. There is obviously people that were kind of around and available that probably could have, but my life decisions at that point made my life completely off limits to input. Because until I was in crisis, I actually didn't want to change. It's a funny thing about human nature is that if we're okay, if everyone's kind of happy, like, just don't mess it up, you know? Like, if everything's okay, we're like, just maintain where we are. But I thought I was maintaining where I was, but all the time, I was slowly digressing. And someone who was watching my life and was examining my life would have been able to show me, but I wasn't desiring change because I wasn't in crisis. And if you're the type of person who doesn't desire change until you're in crisis, you will always find yourself in crisis. And you'll never be able to work your way out. I wasn't teachable. I never gave anyone the opportunity to speak, and I never opened up. So if no one is speaking into your life, it might be because no one can. It's funny because, I don't know, particularly for guys, we don't like to get too deep, usually. And I think this probably comes from maybe the um, oversharing nature that some of us have. Like, you're on Facebook, and you're like, oh, oh, you have a UTI, come on, man. Like, you're just like, don't share that. You know, like, you have this, some guy was so proud of his accomplishment on the toilet, he texted it to me. It's like, boundaries, man. Like, I, this, is, this is too far. And there, there's definitely an unhealthy side where, like, we overshare, for sure. But sometimes we undershare, which is just as, just as bad. And when we, when we don't share, we don't open up, 
we basically make our life off limits to input. We make our life off limits to observations. The key ingredients for someone to be able to speak into your life is to be able to live in such a way that you're not like airing all your laundry, but you just say, hey, I'm, I'm teachable. I'm desiring to be better. The most fascinating thing I find is when someone can like self-actualize about where they're at and what they're feeling, what they're seeing about themselves. Daniel Kim, if any of you guys know him, he's amazing at this. I like I just like listen to him talk about himself all day long because he has such an acute awareness of where he's at, what he's processing. And it's just, we just talk and talk and talk because he's just there. It's like, I need that in my life. I need to be self-aware of where I'm at and what I want. And it's not like I'm trolling for counseling or things like that, but but no news is not good news. And I used to think that if you share bad news, that that's good news. But that's, all that does is just delay it to like a really, 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 really bad day. <laughs> when you are so tight-lipped, so um, contained about your life, and all these things are brewing, you're going to have an explosion later. And that's what happened to me. And so it's vital that you have someone speaking into your life. Someone who loves you but is not impressed with you. It's vital that you have someone who is speaking in your life who loves you but is not impressed by you. Someone who points things out. Someone who knows where you're going and what you're capable of. Someone who can help avoid the circumstances that are going to cause you hardship. Let me ask you this. If you got out of line, if you started acting crazy, would someone call you? Would someone intervene? I warned a guy this past week. I'm like, I am one more of these text messages away before I'm calling the cops on you. It's like, I love you, man. I love you to death, but you're acting crazy. I'm not afraid to put you in jail. <laughs> because I love you. Like, I'm telling you the hard things. And so I, like, I, I called his other friends. I'm like, are you hearing what I'm hearing? He's like, yeah. So I, like, I call him out on it. He's like, dude, you're freaking us. Like, I would rather freak out and tell you the hard things and avoid complete disaster and be the one voice in your life is saying, dude, stop rather than just let you go and burn down your life. And so it takes, the, uh, we all need that. I just happen to be that for somebody else this past week, but I need that myself. And we need to do it when we're not in crisis mode. We need to do it when life isn't on fire, because when life's on fire, like, I'll do anything, and someone gives you, like, we'll do these hundred things to undo all the past years of bad decisions. And it's just not practical at that point. You need to seek counsel and advice when you don't need it. Possibly the best piece of business advice my dad, well, not, not, let me rephrase this. He, my dad's given me amazing business advice. Is when I started my first business, I was, I was 22 at the time. He's like, hey, just thought, go to the bank and go get a line of credit. He's like, I don't need a line of credit. He's like, go do it anyway. He's like, well, I don't, I don't want debt. I don't want anything things like that. He's like, you want to borrow money when you don't need it. Because when you need it, you won't be able to get it. Huh. So the bank applied. (laughs) Like a signature, I'm 22, I get $50,000 in a line of credit. I don't touch it for for four years. Just sitting there. And this little thing called 2008 happened. I had like five employees and whammo, just all, everything just went to crud. And it was there when I needed it. Hey. We can make it through month to month. Because I had, I had prepared four years ahead of time to prepare for something I didn't need that time was perfect at that moment. If that would have happened, I'd probably be working the fry later at McDonald's right now. I would never have survived like business because that saved me at that time. 
And so don't wait to be desperate to speak, to seek someone to speak into your life. Are you guys with me? All right, number two. These are signs that your relationships are killing your growth. Number two, you don't want the life of any of your friends. If you have the best life of all your friends, you're in trouble. Someone says, you don't be the smartest guy in the room. Like, find yourself in positions where you are not the smartest, most popular person, because that is a bad sign. I'm not talking about, you know, desiring someone's car, someone's girlfriend, or anything like that. I'm talking about the substance of your friend's lives. Do they have attributes? Do they have um, character? Do they have integrity? Do they have things that you say, I want that upon my life? And if there's nothing attractive about the relationships that surround you that you want for your own life, you have a major problem. Because the people you spend the most time with will have the most impact on you. If you want a glimpse of your future, look to the lives of your closest friends. The easiest way that I can tell any person the direction you're heading is show me your five closest friends. What are they interested in? What are they doing? What are their challenges? It's amazing how the closest relationships you have, there's a parallel of challenges and growth and struggles and and failure. If you want to look at where your life is going, look to the closest relationships you have. I'm actually becoming like the people I spend the most time with. It's been happening my entire life. Like, I've adopted these different things. This T-shirt makes no sense to anybody. It's like, what is that T-shirt? So uh, my business partner, who's in Orange County... I met him when I was a freshman in college, and uh, he was running his own company at the time, and he'd take me surfing, we'd go motocross ride, and have lots of fun. And he had like just different way of saying things. He's like, you know, if some guy got, this is a, I'm not having a good analogy here, but if someone like in a car rack, you're like, oh, that's a grill, oh, poor guy, like, you know, something bad happened, something unfortunate, he would say, that's a grill. I don't know, I just adopted it somehow. And I've been saying it ever since, and now like other people in our office, they say it. So this, a couple weeks ago, we had a little office celebration, and we made him t-shirts that say, that's a grill. And he's, oh, I just laughed, and you know, it's great. But it's interesting, because I've adopted similar ways of saying things, similar behaviors. If you look at my closest friends, you'll actually find similarities to those I'm closest with. I can probably attribute Eric Wadbury as the single person who's helped me develop a spine. I'm a recovering people pleaser, until I met him. And I'm not as, as nice as I was before. <laughs> what do you notice about your closest relationships? Do you like it? You better because you're going to start to resemble it the more time you spend with it. Do you like what the relationships of your friends are producing in themselves? And your life will begin to model it the more time you spend with it. The scriptures are very clear on this. Whether for good or for bad, it says, do not be deceived, for bad company corrupts good morals. This is osmosis effect. And so surround yourself with people who have something to be desired for your own life. Let me give you a few examples of people in this room. Not exactly in this room, maybe, but people most of you guys will be familiar with. My wife, Camille, she is like rock solid. If someone wants to have a heart attack, she's like, oh, no problem, let's do this, let's do this. I'm like, ah! Like, I'm going to, like, freak out. Like, my adrenaline gets going. I, like, I kind of don't know what to do. I'm like, what? I'm playing with this water ball, and this isn't helping at all. Like, I, I get so nervous and fidgety. Like, she is so cool and collected under pressure. She just, like, goes into mode. 
I mentioned Daniel Kim. I want to be able to self-actualize what I'm doing, thinking, feeling at the moment I'm feeling it. I want to call people's potential like Eric Waterbury, who sees someone's like, this is who you are and this is who you're going to become. I want to be in tune with the Holy Spirit like Jared Eilerine. Even his alarm, when it goes off, wakes him in the morning and says, hello, Holy Spirit. I'm like, why didn't I think about that? <laughs> I want to have visibility into the spirit realms like Nicole Romeo. I want to have the tenderness of God's word like Sean Lawrence. I want to have the relentless, everything's amazing attitude like Ashton Malott. I want to have the loyalty, the commitment to excellence, and the integrity like Cody Silva. I want to have the strikingly good looks of Brett Shoemaker. <laughs> Actually, I want, to, I want to have his eloquence in words. But you can tell, like, there's certain things, like, you know, all these people, like, if I could just make all you guys and, like, steal your DNA and, like, make it one and me, like, that's who I'd be. That's who I want to be, and that's who I want to surround myself with. Who you surround yourself with matters. Who you surround yourself with is what you infuse yourself with. Let me say that again. Who you surround yourself with is what you infuse yourself with. Do I have permission to have a little confession? It kind of goes along with this. Um, just to, for the record, so no one writes me angry or feisty letters, I have not abused alcohol. I have not taken it too far. But I enjoy a good margarita. I'm not afraid to admit it. And while I was traveling, I had this amazing, like, what is this? I, gotta, I love spicy. I love sweet. And so there was a particular um, recreational... Um, beverage that is like, I gotta have this. And it, it, it took taking habanero peppers and infusing them. It's like, yeah. So I bought a whole bunch of jalapeno or a, a habanero peppers, put them in this jar, and like let it marinate for like four days and made a little drink. Just melted me to the ground. It was so hot. <laughs> Just like, oh, my mouth is on fire. And like, and I, I realized the art of like, it was actually like two and a half days and like you can't do it too much or else it just becomes crazy. There's a tipping point where it infused too much and it was just gone. But the same is how we infuse ourselves with our relationships. I'm not saying never be around people that are in progress or growing because we certainly needed to have that. Don't misunderstand me to say that I support isolationism or, or weird stuff like that. I'm just saying that you need to know who's impacting who. When you meet with people, you have to ask yourself, is, which way is this stream going? And it can be like a mutual like up, but if it's a mutual down, maybe not so much, or if someone is pulling you down. Like um, the analogy in the Bible about don't be unequally yoked, here's something fascinating. Gives this uh, illustration of a strong ox with a weaker ox. And so don't be unequally yoked. You know why? Guess whose neck breaks? You'd think that the baby ox would have its neck broken, but it's not. It's the stronger ox. The weaker ox so blows it that it breaks the neck of the bigger ox. And so you have to really think about, okay, I'm spending this time with all these relationships. It's totally fine. I'm impacting them. Really? Just make sure you know for sure. Number three, signs that your relationships are killing your growth is you never have confrontation. You never have confrontation in your relationships. 
Preach It comes from the front row here. When was the last time you gave information to someone that they did not like? When was the last time someone gave you information about you that you did not like? If you can't think about a time, I might suggest that you surrounded yourself with people who actually don't care if you improve or grow. If you've never had a confrontation that you can remember right now, like recently, I suggest to you that the majority of the people you spend your time with actually don't care if you improve or grow. It's not a slam against them. I mean, maybe they're just, they're just trying to make it themselves. But you need to be aware about that. Because there's a different type of relationship with someone who says, like, I, wanna, I want all boats to rise around me. Or versus, I'm just trying to hold on and just stay out of trouble. You want to have relationships around you that build you up. The single ingredient to mus- muscle growth is creatine. No, it is resistance. I was so, like, in high school, I was like the skinniest bean pole. I would, I bought, I'm sure I bought things that were illegal back then. I was like, I would do anything to be, you know, strong. It never worked. So, the single ingredient, which I have yet to really explore in detail, but I know from looking at other people, is resistance. The single ingredient to growth is resistance. It's funny when you look at the scriptures about how they talk about relationships. Proverbs 27 says that we are as iron sharpening iron. And iron sharpening iron makes beautiful music. No, it sounds terrible. It creates sparks. It creates barbs and spiky sawdust. Iron sharpening iron is not a pleasant experience when you look at it on the surface. Or how about Hebrews 10? It says, let us spur each other on towards love and good deeds. If you know me, you've heard me say this exact thing. My wife is a horse veterinarian. Horses, cowboys, they have spurs. Big spiky things on the end. They go wham right in the size and the horse is like, ah, and just goes. If you've ever seen a horse get spurred, it's a piece of work. That is what the scripture says, that we spur each other on towards love and good deeds. There's not something that's like a confrontation. There's there's a resistance. There's a challenge that's brought into your life that says, oh, whoa, I'm alive and I'm going that direction. We need relationships that do that for us. When was the last time that you took input that you didn't like and applied it? When is the time you took input that you did not like and applied it? Every great piece of advice I've ever taken and applied was information I didn't like. Because if I listen to people who are going to give me things I like, I'm just, we're going to do the stuff that we like, right? Oh, I think you should only date hot women. I agree with you. I, amen, brother. Like, I'm all... No. I think you really need to take this job that, you know, is, is money laundering, but it's going to pay you a lot. I think so too, man. I was all, I'm all about that. No, like we need to have people who give us input we actually don't like. That's the true sign of a friend. It's when you have information that's given to you and it ruffles you. We need to be in a habit if we really are going for growth that there's resistance. I remember when I was meeting with an older gentleman who disciples business people, he's like, if you want to be the best husband and father, you get your butt up in the morning, you go be with Jesus. And you be with Jesus until you look like Jesus. I was like. (laughs) And you know, it probably was a little hard. Like, those aren't words I would probably say, but you know what? Like, it got my attention. That was like a spurring. It's like, whoa. He's like, I don't care if it's four in the morning. You make it part of your life. You do the things you want to do. If you decide that you want to be with Jesus in the morning, you go do it. 
wow, how do you really feel about this? I mean, you're kind of like giving me mixed signals here. Like, no, it was, it was straight up. And he's like, if you want to be fearless with the word, if you want to preach the word boldly, you have to know the word. You have to memorize it. That's where I got my love of scripture memorization. All these things are like, it sounds like as fun as a root canal. I don't want to get up early. I don't want to memorize the word. Like, but I see, like, I want to be that. And someone had the foresight. is like, okay, you can get there, but you're going to have to do these three things, these four things, whatever it is that you don't like that isn't fun. And so I've learned that sometimes the best information I can receive from my life is actually the information I like the least. The best information I've ever received is some of the details, is, is sometimes the information I like the least. When we were going through our marriage challenges, um, we got referred to this, this gal um, that does counseling. I was like, counseling? Oh, like, you know, walk of shame, you know? You're like, most transformational relationship I probably ever had. Her name's Lori. I think a lot of our community sees her. <laughs> you guys are all like, oh, yeah, I see her too. Can you clap if you've ever seen Lori? Maybe I won't look. Crazy, right? All because we have marital drama. You guys see Laura. You're welcome. <laughs> Amazing individual. But I tell you what, applying that and saying, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to open up and we're going to work through this and just take challenges head on. And now I'm like, kind of like, okay, where there's smoke, there's fire, let's like, let's go after it. And so doing hard things I didn't like have now produced in me a relentless passion to go chase after anything that's wrong. Number four, signs that, are, that your relationships are killing your growth is you always get what you want and no one ever tries to stop you. One of the two. You always get what you want and no one tries to stop you. Most people don't, as I'm a recovering people pleaser, most people do not have spines. Most people do not have spines. Most people are willing to let you live a life that completely destroys yourself. They're perfectly fine watching you make bad decision after bad decision. Like, don't worry, man. It'll be all right. Just keep on doing what you're doing. We need relationships in our life that love us enough to tell us no. I can't tell you, like, being self-employed and having software, like, I, I make my schedule. Like, I, no is not very, uh, it's not a very frequent part of, like, my life. And when it happens, ooh, man. I'm actually seen this a couple times. I, I don't like not having my way. And something that's really unique about me. But I'm always thankful for it. It's like, yes, like I need to have circumstances that like, that I'm not, I'm not the boss. If you have children, you realize really fast you're not the boss anymore. And that was what was like so frustrating for us having kids sometimes. It's like, I'm used to like being the boss and, you know, making things kind of if I don't want to do this, I don't do that. If I do want to do this, I can find a way to do it. And, and there's just no more options with kids. You're like, I, you won't stop crying. I can't stop it. You know, it, it just, it drove me nuts out of the simple reason that I was being told, no, you're not in control. It drove me nuts. And it's important that we have relationships that love us enough to tell us no and don't let us always have what we want. If you're the type that always insists on having what you want, you can expect very shallow relationships. You'll build community that is completely absent from growth. Everything's like, oh, I support that. I support that. I was on a flight recently, and I'm overhearing this, this gal just talk about 
like bad decision, like planning these terrible plans for the weekend. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, don't interject. It's, I'm not part of this conversation. I'm like looking out the window and I'm hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. And then this guy's like, at first he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he's like, oh. <laughs> just, just kind of letting her just tell all of her plans. And, and it was clear that no one has ever told her, you know, that's not a good idea. You know, in fact, you shouldn't do that. Let me have your keys. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> Let me ask you, are you submitted to anybody's authority? Are you submitted to anyone's authority? Have you given permission to other people to intervene in your life? When I need a really strong accountability, I need to like write contracts with people and I'd say, I need you to take control of my life. I don't care what it is. I apologize up front that I'm going to hate you in that moment, but trust me now that on the other side of it, it'll all be fine. It's amazing. I like tell them, like, I will not be the same person in the middle of you telling me no. And hear from me now. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for that. Don't hold back. Let me have it. And I tell them that when I'm, like, sane. And when I you know, encounter my situation and I have that accountability and I have that no, I'm like, you know, I just like freak out. <laughs> I mean, we act like little children, right? I once made the mistake of taking a dum-dum away from Scarlet. Whew, man, bad decision. <laughs> and children, like, you know, they, if they don't get their way, like, you can just go from hero to zero real fast. But we're kind of the same way. But have you submitted yourself to authority? Is there someone in your life that you've given that authority to? We have this incorrect biblical notion that the Bible supports that we are in authority over ourselves. It's actually incorrect. The Bible says that you are in control of yourself, which is totally different than being in authority over yourself. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control, meaning that I have control over what I do. No one can control you except for you. This goes through all these different things, wonderful messages that someday maybe I'll preach about how, like, no one can make you mad. You gave someone permission to make you mad. You actually have control over that. I can't help but sin. Yes, you can. I can't help but this. Yes, you can. You have self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is that you are divinely empowered to control yourself and not, and you can't control others. That's one thing. You can't control others. But authority is different. Actually, when we look at relationships in the Bible, the, the notion of authority is completely different. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The biblical relationships that we're supposed to be in relationship together is one of mutual submission. Did you know that? I'm called to be submitted to you and, and vice versa as we submit to Christ. Why is that? I ran across an interesting passage in James 1. It talks about sin. And it talks about how sin is the product of desire that runs rampant, dragging you away. You know what I realized? Almost every sin, I kind of meant to sin. I was like, oops, I didn't mean to do that. Like, no, I actually kind of like desired, wanted what I got. It's kind of an interesting thought, right? You're like, oh, I sinned. Well, I kind of wanted to do that. You know, like, that's a hard thing. And so as we look at what the Bible says about sin, about you having self-control, but sin is the product of your desires running rampant and you never have anyone to tell you no. 
If you want to have victory over an area of your life, consider that you don't have submission to authority for someone to actually say, no, your desires aren't wild and free. They're actually in check. And you have the power to submit your decisions to other people. But sin is effectively the result of you getting what you want all the time. When I look at my life and look at my greatest challenges, I look like that's me getting exactly what I want all the time and insisting on it. I also learned in that process that if you leave accountability up to yourself, you will fail. I don't need accountability. I'm totally good. Mm, man. No way. Maybe for you, but not for me. Even despite my victory, I don't trust myself. I don't need to trust myself because I'm, I live in, in submission to authority. And you know what else is that when you say, I am in total authority over myself, it's actually elevating yourself into a position that you don't belong. It's actually idolatry, where you make yourself supreme. You make yourself total authority over all things. And God loves us so much, he says, I've called you to be powerful, but to be in union, in submission to each other. Submit to one another. You guys good? Good? One more? All right. Number five. This is it. Signs of your relationships are killing your growth. Number five, you are exactly where you were one year ago. Ouch. One kind of stings. You're exactly where you were one year ago. First Thessalonians 5, it says that, that it describes godly relationships build one another up. The product of godly relationships is that you build one another up. If you're in the exact same position you were a year ago, let me state the obvious. You probably aren't in relationships that are building you up. Because the word says when we come together, iron sharpens iron. Two or more gather, Jesus is there. There are really great things when we form godly relationships that challenge us, that we build each other up. And so if you feel like you're escalating down, you feel you're even in the same position, let me challenge you to reevaluate the relationships that you're in. If you want to see where your life is heading, look at the trajectory of your friends' lives. What direction are they going? If you're dissatisfied with your growth, compare it to those around you. It's probably the same. I heard this wonderful quote. Gosh, I don't know who, someone on Instagram posted it. It's like, don't complain about the results you didn't get by the work you didn't put in. This is so good. Don't complain about the result you didn't get by the result, don't complain about the result you didn't get by the work you didn't put in. It's amazing when we look at where life is heading. We're really quick to complain about our own life but really slow to look at the relationships that have allowed that entire time. It's like, I want to be on the cutting edge of my life, my existence. I want to be on the, the forefront and the, just the leading edge. And so I look at the relationships around me and say, like, yeah, like, I, I've, I've got amazing people right now that are, like, pushing me. Like, yes, I'm ambitious, but gosh, there's some amazing people who believe in me. It'd be such a bummer to be around, like, these Debbie Downers, like, I guess it's not going to work, you know. If you feel like this isn't going to work all the time, maybe you should ask, am I hearing this in my other relationships? I bet you are. You spend time around some of the people in this room, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, this do awesome things, you know, and, and it just it becomes infectious. And so if you don't like the trajectory of your life where it's going, ask yourself, are these things that are familiar in my most frequent relationships? 
when I find people and they say, I just feel stuck in a rut. You may not have a rut problem as much as you have a community problem. If you're stuck in a rut, I ask you to change and examine the surroundings that you've placed yourself in. But if you build relationships that are charging, you'll want to also charge. My lingo there. Sean Lawrence once said this. Um, oh, let me say this. If you're walking down um, J Street, going to go have some great sushi, and you see a crowd of 100 people running your way, what are you going to do? You don't care what's behind that crowd. You're just like, I'll find out later. You know, you're just, you're going to go. A running crowd makes you run. And so as you surround yourself with a crowd that is pushing hard, that's growing, you just by very nature are just going to grow. I tell you the truth that in this community, a few years ago, there's like a lot of people kind of, you know, figuring Jesus out. I got a lot of questions, you know. I got to, you know, just thinking about God. I'm just thinking. Now, today is like people are just going for it. And what we see is that people are receiving more growth, more freedom, more, more wholeness than ever before. The reason that there's so many people that they themselves are running hard and fast. And so that atmosphere causes everybody else to. And so the testimonies and the transformation, I mean, they're half the time we used to see. It's amazing things. So let me close with this and ask the band to come up. Is that we actually have a tool. This is not a unique subject to our ministry. We actually have something called Circles of Covenant. And it's on our website. It's under resources. You go there and it's Circles of Covenant. It looks like a bullseye. There's concentric circles. No, we're not printing out a dartboard for you to hang in your office. It's actually a place for you to self-actualize and self-analyze the relationships that are closest to you. You ever seen the movie Meet the Parents <laughs> and the sequel? Yeah. Circle of trust. You. you know. Basically, it's identifying who are the ones that are influencing you the most. Starting the most inner circle. Who are the ones that are influencing you the most? Who are you in covenant with? Who are in the inner side that are like, this is where there's a such a powerful transformational relationship. These are the most valuable relationships I have. And then you go out and you do like a, a perimeter ring. What's amazing is I've seen a whole bunch of people walk this out. It's such a basic, simple too. Like, well, what other features does it have? It's just five circles, bro. That's all it is. You and a pen. And we're continually asking ourselves, hey, have you pulled this out? Have you like reviewed it? I've been on a certain occasion where, I'm sorry, I can advance where like I'll see a circles of covenant and like, you know, like peek on there, like, how am I, you know, doing on there? But it's funny because, like, sometimes I've seen, like, names crossed out, like an arrow drawn in, like, the next one out or something. It's hilarious, but you know what? It's really, it's really important we do that. Relationships are so key that we need to know who's influencing who. It's not a bad way at all. It's just being self-aware that who is all around me, the things I surround myself with, is what infuses me. And so he's the most disciplined person I know when it comes to relationships. That's why he's the best person I know in relationships. Because he's so incredibly meticulous and intentional. So I challenge you. Do you have the courage to actually pull out something and just actually say, yeah, these are the things that influence me. And then you get to ask yourself, is this what I want for my life? In that center circle, the people who are close to you, do I want their life? I'm not saying unfriend them on Facebook. At all. I'm not saying, like, don't be with them. But I'm saying, like, change up the ratio in that inner circle. 
Find other people that will speak into your life. Find people who will build you. Find people who love you enough to say no that aren't impressed with you. Find people who are going to say, I see what you're capable of and I'll walk alongside you to get there. And add those people into a closer circle. You don't need to have people slowly graduate. You decide who's in that circle. One of the lies that Satan will have you believe is like, well, this is just my friends. Like, I'm powerless. It's just who my friends are. You get to decide who you are in intimate relationship with. And you get to decide who impacts you. And so as I look on my life, I think like the most radical transformation I've had hasn't been the books I've read, hasn't been the events I've attended, haven't been the small groups I've joined, although there's some great small groups, it's in the relationships I've made. And I'm so honored to be in a relationship with so many of you guys. I love you guys.